having been like the classic high achiever, following all the rules, doing all the things, and going to my boss's office thinking, okay, I've already kind of calculated where I should fall out on the scale for my performance evaluation for my raise and everything, and just to find out that, nope, that didn't happen. So I was really surprised to be sitting across the table, literally with tears running down my face, thinking to myself, this can't be it. Like, I, I did all these things, and this is not going to work for me forever. Welcome to another episode of the Ageless Conversations podcast. I'm Tamika from TamikaMcTeer.com. If you are new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community that believes that there is no age that defines the life of every woman. So every week you'll hear a conversation that I know will inspire you to change your mindset, gain confidence, and live a lifestyle thriving, not determined by age. And joining us today on the podcast, we have Shianti Jones. She's a financial coach and founder of Dollars and Change. As a certified personal and executive coach, Shiante works with professional women who are ready to create more flexibility in their lives by confidently managing their money and executing a realistic plan to eliminate that. Through personalized coaching, she provides education, guidance, and accountability to help them have more fun and fulfillment while still creating a solid foundation to build wealth. After becoming consumer debt-free, accumulating over $1 million net worth, and taking the leap from her nine-to-five, Chiante knows firsthand the freedom and options that comes with having well-managed money. Her advice has been featured on PBS and numerous podcasts, and her clients have said coaching with Chiante has changed their life and made talking about money feel safe and approachable. When she's not helping women create more financial flexibility, you can find her binging a true crime show, Googling random things, and lounging at home with her husband and Yorkie. Chiante, welcome to the Ages Conversations podcast. Hi, Tamika. Thank you for having me on. Of course, I have to tell you all that's listening, you are in for a major treat today. When you get to hear her share, I believe that you will be able to take something away from this conversation, whether it's for yourself personally, or for somebody that you know that's in a financial situation and you think this information will be beneficial to them and that something about what is shared today will resonate with them and you want to share this information on. So as I always ask you all to do, or as I always say, thank you so much for being a listener here, whether it's your first time listening or you come here every week and then for continuing to show up and share these episodes with those in your own community. But before we kick off our conversation for today, I'd love to just start out by asking you, as we prepare to head into warmer months in the summers and this change of season, what are you most excited about? Listen, I'm like a, I don't like cold weather. So I'm so ready for it to get warm and stay warm. You know how, especially down here in the South, you get those cold snaps, like they start getting warm. You, they give you a teaser and then all of a sudden get cold, it gets cold again. And you're like, I think we're finally getting to the place where it's going to get warm and stay warm. We're in mid-May now. So I'm really looking forward to just having warmer weather, getting out more. I tend to hibernate in the cold months too, since I don't like it. So I'm just like, even so far in the spring, I've been like just getting out more. Just, I could just tell a difference in like my mental space, like just being able to do more, get more, see people and stuff like that. So that's what little, really what I'm looking forward to. And I have a vacation coming up in Jamaica that I'm looking forward to next month. <laughs> yes. Like you, I'm very excited for this change of weather to see in the sun, the warmer temperatures, because I'm not down for the cold. I don't mess with the cold. And now that being in the South for these 11 years, I was not even excited about our extended cold that we had that we had this year. I was like, come on now when April came and they kept playing games going back and forth. I was like, no. No, we I don't do this. Yeah, I was like, I don't recall it ever being like this all the years I've lived down here now. Like I I was like in April, it's already doing this thing. And now it keeps 
playing back and forth. Let's get there and stay, please. <laughs> yeah, I think we might be in I think we might be in safe territory now where it's gonna pretty much stay warm from this yeah, point. Yeah, we're, we're good. It's, it's very hot this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll take it any day. I'll take it any day. Yes. So I love to kick off the conversation by just starting out asking you what led you to becoming a financial coach and what are some of the common roadblocks that you see when working with your clients? Yeah, so as far as a financial coach, so first off, I was not entrepreneurial. So I wasn't like when I was working my nine to five jobs, I used to work for the federal government for 16 years. And then on the side, I started doing financial coaching, but was not entrepreneurial at all until really I got like a subpar performance evaluation that just did not meet the expectations for the work I had done that year. And so that just really was like a disruptor for me. And like having been like the classic high achiever, following all the rules, doing all the things and going to my boss's office thinking, okay, I've already kind of calculated where I should fall out on the scale for my performance evaluation, for my raise and everything. And just to find out that, nope, that didn't happen. So I was really surprised to be sitting across the table, literally with tears running down my face and thinking to myself, this can't be it. Like I, I did all these things and this is not going to work for me forever. And so I just really, it was a blessing in disguise because at that point I had just always thought like kind of the very straight and narrow path. Oh, this is what you do. You get a job, get the house, get the get married, all this kind of stuff. And that was just the first time that I realized I can do other things outside of my job. And so it kind of opened my eyes to entrepreneurship. And I had always been pretty good with, with personal finance. So like I had done, been doing healthy things with my money at that, like making some good decisions with, with money up to that point. But I also knew from that performance evaluation moment that having my money together was going to be key and giving myself more options to do other things. So it took it to the next level. Let me really pay attention. Let me figure out other ways to earn income or just explore other paths besides just this traditional one. And so it was about when I, when that happened though, I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like, it wasn't immediately financial coach, but like, so it was about a year later when I actually, a friend of mine said something about financial coaching. And I immediately was like, what is that? I need to know more about it. Cause I had always been good with personal finance myself. And now I always like to help people. I have a servant heart. So this is a great way to be able to pair the, my skill of money management with this my natural gift I have also for being very open and non-judgmental and allow people to feel comfortable talking around me. So that's how financial coaching came. And as I've gotten into it more, I also just realized there was like a gap in financial support out there for, there's a spectrum of people who need help. So typically it was, oh, I'm just trying to keep a roof over my head, just trying to make it, get in, make ends meet. And then it was the other, so they have financial assistance programs for that. And then it was the other end of the spectrum of I have this money and I've been doing really well and now I need somebody to help me manage it and take it to the next level and make me, help me invest it. And that's like the, typically the financial advisor and planner, but there are so many people, being a first-generation college grad myself, first-generation to really make the level of income that I was making in my family. There are so many people who fall into that boat or similar circumstances who just don't have the skill to manage money. Fortunately, I was able to navigate it, but you start making more money and you realize that doesn't automatically mean you know how to manage it. And so that's the group of professionals that I wanted to help, particularly women in that space that had those feelings. And so that's where, and I also wanted to bring like representation yeah. as a Black woman to the space because women people of color have typically 
and underserved in the financial services industry. So all that came together, Tamika. And then I was like, I'm going to be a financial coach. (laughs) Yeah, no, so good. So good. And it's so much about what you said that I would love to kind of unpack as we continue on through the conversation. One of the things that you mentioned is how um, this all was birthed from a place of you having your job that you worked for a total of 16 years and then going in and getting this subpar, as you described it, performance review. You thought you would go in and get one thing. My guess is you were expecting exceeds or exceptional, whatever the highest rating is at that organization, only to find out that you didn't get that. And so listen to this though. And this kind of shows where my mind was at that time too. It's like, I wasn't even expecting like the highest level. It was like the, it was like the second highest level. So I was already like shortchanging myself, right? Mm. I I already had kind of lowered the expectation and like coming even like the next level below that. And I think that was the blow anything. It was like, I mean, it's still like a quote good performance evaluation, but it was like, no, I know I did the complexity of work I had done. Type of work I had done. It was just, it sounds like they just rated you as an average employee. She just did what she was hired for, never went above and beyond, never exceeded it. Goals. Right. Well, and what's the distinction between the complex work that I did and yeah. like the distinction? Look, everybody was getting about the same thing too. Like, where's the, how do you differentiate the pay really, like on this pay scale? Yeah. So I think it was that too. That was part of the sting of it too. It was like, in my mind, like, I wasn't even trying to get like the, Four, four across the board rating. It was like the next level down from that. Like the, I think it's like three high bucket, right? And I ended up like, like the three medium bucket or something like that. I'm just like, no, this ain't gonna work for him. Wow. Like, I know. And so like, even then I was shortchanging myself. So that's really, like I said, I think that was part of what opened my eyes more. Like, oh, okay, you can't just follow these rules. Like you're gonna have to start creating your own. Yeah. And then I was curious to know the work that you did in your daytime job, was there any similarities of what you previously did in alignment with what you currently do now? Like any other roles the same, except you're just doing them for yourself now? Not 100%. So so my background in education and my my work experience is in finance. So my undergraduate degree was in business finance. And then I worked in the banking and finance industry for the federal government. I was a bank regulator. So national bank regulator. And it was tied to finance, but I wasn't, I didn't typically work like on personal finance. So it's somewhat of a connection very loosely, but you know, now I do personal finance where I'm helping people with their day-to-day money management, budgeting, paying off debt, savings, and those type of things. So it's that I wasn't doing that in my previous job. So a lot of it was from my own experience of, like I said, just kind of having a natural affinity for it and realizing that this is a place where a lot of people are stressed and just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then something else you talked about how you kind of plays yourself because you were rating yourself down or you were rating yourself at one spot. So not even at the highest, only to find out that you get they came in under that. So not putting yourself at the highest. What is it or what type of mindset shift do you feel like you had to make to even identify your own worth and know that you didn't have to stay at that organization to give you that opportunity to make that pivot, that change to say, I'm going to do something else. Yeah. And this is, I'll be honest. So I left my job in January of 2022. So I'm a little over, what's it like 15 months out from the job at the time of this recording. And I feel like I'm unpacking a little bit of that, right? I'm still like unpacking, like why wasn't I thinking that I should get the four rating across the board? And maybe part of it was that I just felt like fours were hard to come by or maybe some of that. A lot of organizations, they have like the rating system that very, either very, it's almost like an elusive top rating like that most mm-hmm. people don't get. And it's almost the system is designed that way where you're not going to get ever get the top rating. So I I don't know if it was kind of that in the back of my mind, maybe because I had, I'm not trying to think, I don't think at that point, I can't remember if I had ever had a, like a, the top rating before, to be honest, I don't know. So maybe I was just thinking I would 
get, I don't know why I was telling myself short, but it does come to, makes me like question that, like, why didn't I think I deserved a top rated at that time? And so maybe that was just stand in my place, right? I don't know. Maybe that's what the thought was. Who am I to want that top rating to mm. thing mm. at that time? I don't know. Since then, I feel like you're asking like what what has changed over coming to the like come to now. I think that's part of been part of what I've been challenging myself now is like now I'm in a new space as an entrepreneur. So like now I'm having to build my confidence and true understanding of my value in this space now. So I, I think it hasn't completely gotten there. I feel like I'm definitely way further along than what I was at one point. And I see this with a, having talked to so many different entrepreneurs at, at this point, especially women entrepreneurs. I think this is an area where just in general women t- we tend to undervalue ourselves, undervalue what we have to offer, especially if you're doing something that just kind of comes natural to you. And you're just like, oh, I could, yeah, I could just do that. And so we tend to downplay what we're bringing to the table. So yeah, it's something yeah. that I will say I'm still actively working on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So you can see where it showed up then. And I'm continuing to work on in this new role and a new identity as an entrepreneur to continue to work on it so that it doesn't show up here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. When you think about your clients, when you think about clients that are trying to make ends meet versus clients that they have the income. They just aren't managed cor- correctly. How receptive would you say on either end are those individuals on the other end to making change? Yeah. So I will say this, as far as my clientele, they are typically people who are higher earners. So high yeah. five figure, six figure earners. So normally income isn't so much the issue that I, I see as far as my particular clientele. Every now and then it might be, but, but more so it's like how they're managing what they have already. So a lot of times what I'll see in that space is maybe too much debt relative to what they, their, a lot of their cash flow is going to pay in on debt or they're, they're overspending or supporting their lifestyle with credit card debt. Or sometimes it's like older debt that just has continued to linger and linger and linger that they mm. just haven't been, been able to conquer and get paid off or gets paid off. And then they end back in, in, end up in the cycle again. It's also, I see typically they're pretty much in one way or another spending everything that's coming in. So there's very little savings, whatever gets built up ends up getting spent. So it never is able to like really accumulate to the amount that they would like for it to be. And I forgot what I was about to say. But those are typically the problems that I see, or it's just a lot of times just not knowing where the money is going. Or like, I just don't even really have an idea what's happening here. So it's, it's one of those things where bills are getting paid. So it's not like just a straight irresponsibility or anything like that. So bill or negligence, bills are getting paid, but it's just relative to the income, particularly like they're not thriving the way that they would want to thrive. They don't have the flexibility with their money that they would like to have. And so that's really a lot of times what I see. So it's like really like money management. And sometimes it's, well, a lot of times it is a, the mindset around it too, like versus like over consuming a lot of things. A lot of times we like, well, why are you buying so many things? What is the real reason behind that? Are you trying to keep up with other people mm-hmm. you see on in the media? Do you feel like that's what you're supposed to do at this point? Is that kind of just an expectation that society put on you or your family? Are these things you even really want? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we can just buy stuff because that's what we do. Are, well, are you doing that to escape some coping with some other feelings or right. unfulfillment or other things in your life that you don't want to deal with? And that's just like your escape is to spend in that, that behavior. So I'll see some of that. So that's kind of like how the mindset and behavior stuff ties in has led to the situation that they're in. For people who where income is typically an issue, like I said, I don't have a lot of people that come in that space. But, and I have found that a lot of times they are aware that income is the issue and mm-hmm. they realize that, like, they know, like, oh, I need to make more money. Now, some of the people who make enough money will still try to blame it on income. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. no, that ain't income. Right? Yeah. 
Particularly people who are really having an income issue, I've noticed that they realize that this is an income issue because normally they have scaled back on some things and they are still kind of trying to figure things out. That's where I see. And you just like a willingness for people to do the work. It, like I said, I, I don't really know between those people coming up with those two different problems, but just a willingness to do the work in general. Like people tend to want the results, but not want to do what's required to get the result. Okay. So I think it's just a matter of making that decision and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We tend to, this is part of what it is too. We, even if it's a situation that is not our ideal situation or not really what we want it to be, we have trouble trying to make a change because one change can be hard sometimes, but mm -hmm. we get familiar. Like we normalize that situation as this is just how it is when it doesn't have to be. Right. So like, we, so I think a lot of it is just like normalizing whatever the current state that you're in, even if it's not what you want it to be. So I see that a lot of times. So you have to be, you basically have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of your situation saying enough is enough. And sometimes it may be a triggering event. It could be just like a lot of times I work with women like in their thirties, forties. So like kind of that midlife, you start to get into midlife and you just already start shifting around. You're like, listen, I need to get it together. So it could be like various things that start to be a triggering event for it. But yeah, that's what I typically see. Yeah. And making that shift from going from a regular full-time employee to now our entrepreneur and just finances looking altogether different for that. You may have come from a space where, you know, first and 15th or whatever the bi-weekly every two week thing is. And now entrepreneur space, what did you have to do personally to prepare for just that change in financial activity with something consistently coming in versus getting something new off the ground going? Yeah. So yeah, so financially, this was a work in progress. So that whole incident with the performance evaluation happened in 2016. And I didn't leave my job until January, 2022. So there was gotcha. you know, several years in there where, and a lot of that, I'll be honest, was like this mindset shifting. <laughs> but I was doing some financial pre preparation during that time as well. So I mean, I've always kind of minimized my debt and managed my debt well. But one thing I did do was become consumer debt free. In 2021, I was able to hit the milestone of becoming a millionaire. So having a million dollars net worth. I also at that time hit what's called like Coast Fire, Coast Financial Independence Retire Early, which means that you have enough in your retirement accounts to where over time it'll grow to be sufficient to for, for normal retirement age, even if you don't add anything additional to it. So I was hitting those milestone markers, which, which did give me, I don't can't say that I would not have left if that did not happen. Mm -hmm. It did give me like some added comfort. Okay. Definitely. You know, it's kind of like some more peace of mind around it. Oh, okay. You, you have some place to be able to take a risk, take a chance. I built up a runway savings because I had been doing my business on the side but it was for about three and a half years, but it was more like a jobby, to be honest. Like I was kind of doing, like, <laughs> doing a little here and there. You know how you do a whole lot of stuff, but I really wasn't bringing a whole lot of money. And mm -hmm. to compensate for that, I had a longer runway that I had created for myself to be able to live off of savings until I was able to, to build some more revenue in the business. So that was a huge part of it too. So definitely managing expenses well, managing debt, get, well, eliminating debt, building that savings runway. And there was a couple other things I did to just knowing that I was going to be not have the benefits of a not nine to five. So, I mean, yeah. I got life insurance outside of my job. I got disability insurance outside of my job. We ended up doing a heat, setting up a HELOC just to have something if we needed to tap, have some money to tap mm -hmm. into that's available. So those were kind of some other things that we did along the way. And for those that are listening that don't know what a HELOC is, it's a home equity line of credit. <laughs> home equity line of credit. Yeah. Where you basically have a line of credit available based on the equity in your house. So set all those things up kind of as financial safeguards to be able to 
uh, tap into like, like safety nets to tap into if something went totally awry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But really to me, because the biggest shift, that was the financial stuff, but the biggest shift was just shifting my mindset. Oh, about. Yeah. I love hearing when in you sharing your story, like you didn't actually make the move to come out of there until 2022. Now we're in 2023. But literally, once you got that evaluation, you clearly put some action behind your thoughts, the feelings like you knew. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to keep doing this over and over again to have these feelings again. I will be prepared for whatever it is that I choose to have my next steps look like. So I think that's a really good thing because that same situation, somebody could have gotten that performance review and then, you know, turn it into a two, two week situation. Like here go my two week notice. Thought about this too. What, I don't know what would trigger like uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah, it could have that could have happened. I could be like, you know what, I'm just gonna leave this job, or you know what, I'm gonna find another position. Like it could have been could have went a lot of different ways, and I don't know why my mind went to entrepreneurship instead. Like, oh, okay, all right, I got you. Eyes are open now. Yeah, I see different things, paths, and possibilities, and that's just where. Well, I mean, well, I say I don't know why, but I think that's the way I was supposed to go, right? Like, I think everything happens the way it's supposed to happen and that's just my eyes were open to that that different path now I will say my husband that was just about to ask you that I was going to say being a married woman how receptive was your husband to the news when you shared with him like what your plans were and things like that because obviously you're in that space do you find that it was supportive about the gate or was it like some massaging yeah. to get him to understand like the process and him just accepting it or how did that go for you so my husband has been supportive the whole time. So when the incident happened with the performance evaluations, of course, I was like upset. I remember like talking to him and he's hugging me and consoling me. Oh, it's okay. But at the same time, like happy that, oh, you you see something different now. You see that things could be a different mm-hmm. one. So I think for him, it was like, of course, he was like trying to be compassionate to what, what He was excited on. for the awakening for but you. He, but he was excited for the awakening. Yes. You see that you can do things another way. And so he's been fully supportive the whole time, even when, so in 2021 is when I've made the final decision that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And he was like on board right away. Like he was on board before even knowing like what the financial situation was. Like if I could, we could really like what would happen. I'm like, hey, you didn't even look at the numbers at all. But as soon as I can remember being, I was actually at a, like a financial coaching symposium, like a VIP event. And that was the first time I like kind of said out loud as part of this, like a small group saying, trying to figure out what to focus on for over the next year or whatever, like what's the priority. I just remember we slowly narrowed things down. And one of the things that I wanted to do was coach full time. And it was like wow. the first time I kind of said that out, mm-hmm. I want to coach full time. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I want to go full time. I said it in a small way. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like texting him while I was there still in the event. And he was like, yeah, do it. Right. Like, And, I'm, and they were like, everybody was so excited. Do it. Like he has literally not looked at one man number about what we need to do. <laughs> but that was like, yeah, 2021. But he's been on board the whole time. He's all about learning how to do it for ourselves, being self-sufficient. And so he's been excited about this journey we both have been on. <laughs> That's awesome. What are some pitfalls you would tell people to avoid as they try to embark on this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I would say so times one, on the internet and social media will glamorize and sensationalized entrepreneurship, y'all, it's not an easy thing to do. So if you're looking for something easier to do, generally speaking, working at a nine to five is going to be easier, right? I mean, you have resources there. You have, even if you feel like you don't have the resources you're supposed to have, you're going to be less resourced as an entrepreneur because a lot of it's going to fall on you to do it. So I would say 
Create a bridge with your job, right? Use your, think about your job as like your biggest investor in what you're trying to do, like an investor in your life, an investor in your business. Because hands down for sure, that's what I was, I used my income from my job to help start the business, invest in the business along the way. So I would say that some you know, depending on what the situation is, they just kind of take the leap and just figure it out as they go along. And I would say to build the bridge and build your revenue in your business and then step your way out. I also would say, as far as from a financial perspective, like I said, one of the things that we live relatively lean anyway, we just got, that's kind of simple like that, but see what you can get back, like streamlining your expenses as much as possible, especially just starting out because it just takes some of the stress away, some of the pressure away of how much you have to make initially to be able to cover your living expenses and be okay. So whatever you can kind of the fat eliminate, even if it's, even if it's temporary, that will kind of provide a little bit of space and breathing room as you make the transition. And I guess in thinking about the entrepreneurial mindset too, is know that your income as an entrepreneur is going to flow very differently than your income as a nine to five worker. And that may take some adjust, adjusting to, you might have to learn how to manage your money a little different for that variable income. Um, so count for that too, that things are going to ebb, ebb and flow. So I would say besides having revenue, generating revenue in your business, also build some savings up to provide cushion for those times when it ebbs and flows. Yeah, good, great advice. And when you think about anytime we, anytime you take on a new job, it's always, yes, and this is our benefits package. And this is what it looks like when we start this organization and I get this X, Y, and Z. How would you tell somebody to prepare for that or create in their own benefits package as it relates to entrepreneurship? That's a lot of times, that's something that you often hear people talk about. And I'm not fully immersed in that. So it's something that I would say, I don't know, because I'm not in it at that level. But I do think it's something that you could possibly build in the same things that you had when you were working your nine to five is things that you can still build in to your own journey to make sure that you're secure and still give yourself vacation and things like that. Again, it goes back to mindset, I think, number one, um, to let yourself know that you still deserve those types of things and just literally building in. And when we talk about finances, is just making sure that you are fully aware of what your expenses are and how to cover that time away you know, from your business that you should set it up in a way that doesn't involve you to be in it all the time to make everything. What, how, what would you say to that? Yeah. So benefits was a huge part of consideration for me leaving my job. I mean, so I work for the federal government. So I always had like that good benefits package and I, <laughs> there was a lot of perks to it. You know, probably like above average benefits. So yeah, it took, it took some mindset shifting for sure to say like, all right, I'm gonna step away from What's that? What people keep saying? I got that good government job. That good government job, right? And it, and it was like, I mean, it, there were good benefits there. So part of that was, as far as me recreating it, is that I looked into health. One, like I was saying, like life, like the insurance, different various insurances. I just got outside policies for those. So like you can recreate that on your own yeah. outside of that. We also did healthcare is a huge one that where a lot of people end up staying in a job because of healthcare. They're worried about it, and I mean, it's a real concern. We ended up doing, I looked into various options. We ended up doing a health share where we are able to, we cover for a little bit more than what we did with an insurance. So basically when we go to a doctor, we're like self-pay and then certain things, it'll protect us from catastrophic loss. If there's like mm-hmm. a large event or if the expenses exceed a certain amount, we can typically run that through the health share to help cover those expenses. So it keeps us from having to, something major is, is covered through them, but we can we kind of take on more responsibility ourselves with some of the smaller things. Vision and dental, like we just, 
it was one of those things where we just I found out what the prices, what the cost was without insurance, and then just plan for that accordingly. That's part of just um, something like making doing something different now. We, like, I don't have regular insurance. Like, we could have gotten those, but I, looking at the prices of like just preventive maintenance for that type of stuff, it was like okay, we could just cover that out of pocket. Yeah, it's not like this extraordinary um, amount. Like it was like all right, that's manageable. We can do that. And one of the big things with I the, again mindset shift that I had to make about benefits in general was that you think about, oh, I'm giving up, I'm giving up all of this stuff. So one, think about what you're gaining. And also remember that I think it's good to look at uh, compared to two, just to kind of know what you're, what's changing, but to not compare it in a way that to recognize that you're in a different place, you made a different decision. And so I can keep that benefits package and stay in that job, or I can go with the decision that I made to step out and be an entrepreneur. And that means certain things come with that choice. And so like, when I stopped looking at it at, I was just giving up so much. It's like, I was thinking about what I was gaining Mm -hmm. and just recognizing that was just part of the choice that this is a different structure now. Even with retirement benefits, you can create your own. Uh, There's the retirement options for self-employed people, solo 401ks, step IRAs. So I just brought their traditional IRA. So you have options there too. So like you can recreate. And actually with some of the self-employed options, you can really contribute more to that than you could can mm-hmm. through your employer yeah. because you could serve as like the certain ones you could serve as the employer and the employee and be able to contribute more money to it. And they tend to have high, some of them have higher limits. So it's, you can recreate your benefits package in, in different ways if you be creative. Like again, this is just opening your mind to something different than a traditional thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Love it. What have you enjoyed most about this journey? I've in- Really, I have enjoyed the like the self exploration, like the chance to kind of like decondition. I mean, it's still it's still a process that's happening now, but like to kind of get back to who I am. Like the like we're we like there's so much societal standards and being in that nine to five corporate environment. Like we get conditioned in so many different ways, going through schooling, the schooling system, and everything, and like we just get used to operating in a certain way because we've been conditioned to operate that way. So I feel like one of the things I've enjoyed is kind of like rediscovering who I am outside of all the confines and constructs of regular societal stuff. And so that's been a joy. And I I find myself sometimes doing things like, oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore, right? Like, (laughs) it's okay for you to do it a different way. And like just allowing myself just to, to be... Feel like that's been the journey now i will say that identity shift has not necessarily always been easy because you because it's like whenever you're doing something a big change like that like your brain was like scream wait a minute what are you doing like this is, this is different so it was definitely some like mind drama about making those identity shifts when i first left employee to entrepreneur going from being like a high earner to re- like literally living on savings even though that was the plan at the time it still felt very different than what i was used to where i had like a lot of excess cash flow and stuff like that and just being new at something, I was, like I said, well, very experienced in my prior job and prior role to going to like literally being like a new entrepreneur. And even though I had the business for three and a half years, like it was one full time and it was like a whole new ball game. Yeah. So yeah. I almost felt like I was in a way starting over again. So there was a lot of identity shifts happening then. But yeah, those are some of the things that well, looking back on it, I'm glad that that those things happened because it helped me to learn how to manage myself around that and see the growth in myself. Before. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Has there, have you had a lot of mentorship or support, a community that you have particularly involved yourself in to continue to support you on this journey whenever you have mindset challenges or just challenges with a business that arise? Yeah. So one thing with me, like I, from the, even from the beginning, like even before starting, like truly starting the business, I was 
I love to learn and I have learned I do well in a structured learning environment. So one of the first things I did when I decided I want to be a financial coach, one, you like, what certifications do I need, right? We tend to go to that. What do I need to do? What classes do I need to take? So I did look into in that search. I ended up finding this training called Financial Coach Academy. And that was, so that community, it was like a whole community of coaches. That's grown so much over the last five years or so, but I'm part of that community of financial coaches. I'm part of another community of like just life coaches and business coaches. And so I've always found I've always had some type of community along the way. And that has been very crucial on this entrepreneur journey because one, we're all trying to figure it out. So you can get, it can be isolating at times. It could be like, there's like so much personal development and being a entrepreneur way more than you expect. So like having a support system, ha- having someone to bounce things off, knowing again, that you're not alone, the only one experiencing something. So yes, community has been a huge part of the journey. And now I am part of like a coaching, a group coaching program that's heavily focused on thought work and mindset and everything, because that was one of the challenges I had the mm-hmm. first year out, just like trying to manage the mind drama better and my thoughts better and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I have communities for various things. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So if you are listening and you're trying to go and do your own thing, community is very important. You heard her say it here. All right, before I let you go, we're going to head into what I like to call our final four. I'll just ask you four short questions. There is no right or wrong answer. You just respond with the first things that comes to mind, okay? <laughs> it's okay, not hard. Because there is no right or wrong answer. So you ain't got to get like, Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, the first one is describe age in four words or less. Oh, that's hard. Okay. <laughs> oh, nothing but a number. Okay. This one, <laughs> a lot of people say that, so it's fine. <laughs> this one is a fill in the blank for you. My name is, and age has taught me. My name is Chiante Jones, and age has taught me that. It gets better. You learn more. You like wisdom comes with age. Love it's a blessing it. Blessing with age. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Are you asked for permission or asked for forgiveness? You know what? As part of my deconditioning process, <laughs> I'm more asked for forgiveness now. Why? I just think I'm. I'm not as. I'm. Well, this actually started when I was even still working. I just became a lot lighter with things, less high strung about things, just more relaxed about things, like just whatever. So I now I'm more okay with. Before I was like, I wish I was still probably like a rule follower, but I was like definitely like rule follower, rule follower. Now I'm like, eh, I'll do it. I'll deal with it. Whatever comes with it. I feel like I can. I guess I trust myself to navigate whatever comes with it. Okay. 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 And are you comfortable with silences or not? Stop conversation. Oh, comfortable with silences. <laughs> All I like, right. I like my alone time and quietness. You can, yeah, for reflection and everything. <laughs> yeah. Love it. What final words do you have for our listeners? Final words I would share is that when you think about, especially about money, like money gives you options, right? And so Getting money is not just for the sake of getting money. Getting money is for to give yourself some more flexibility, some more freedom to really pursue the things that you want to do. And so I would definitely encourage you to use money as the tool and resource that it is to help you live your life. Your money goals are really your life goals, right? So use money as a resource. And it's okay to want a lot of money. It's okay to want a lot of things like because it allows you to do the things that you want to do in your life. So create your own rules get a lot of money and then manage it well to live your life the way you want to live your life. Yeah. And where can people connect with you after this podcast? 
Yeah, so my central hub is my website. You can find me at dollarsandchange.com. And I've lately I've been spending most of my time on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Chiante Jones MBA. I would love to connect with you there. And, that, and all my social media handles are on my website as well. Thank you so much for being a guest here today. I've enjoyed this conversation and time that I spent with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Tamika. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Ageless Conversations podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. Your review really does help others find out about the podcast. As always, you can head over to my website now at TamikaMcTeer.com to sign up for my email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Talk to you all next week.